Hello, I hope you're having a great moment. Today's show is jam packed with honesty, laughter, and an overall good time. I hope you enjoy it. I also want to make sure that you have signed up for the next calm circle. You can find out more about it, what we're doing every month. It's all for you, especially for you, Obama, over at recoverlikeamother.com forward slash reset. Let's get into the episode. How are you? I hope you are doing well. Here we are in another episode, another fantastic guest sharing her story today. I'm really excited to connect with my friend, Jana. We've known each other for a long time, two decades, two over. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy time. Uh, We don't get to see each other because we have moved and done different things in life. Uh, She's currently living in Los Angeles. She is a successful working actress, an animal advocate, which I love so much. uh, And just a dear friend, Jana, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lane. So happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. (laughs) Yeah, It's really, you know, I love the fact that I can have relations with people longer than like one night, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't have to see you every day or talk to you every day because we're on this sober path together. Absolutely. And there's no real distance or time. It can pick up. There's, (laughs) there's not like a, why didn't you call me or where have you been? Mm -hmm. Or why aren't you in touch with me? Mm -hmm. It's just like always now. Yeah. That means something to me. That yeah, is so, that is, so, oh, Jana, that is so perfect. <laughs> People don't understand that. Right. right. And right. I think that's relevant for even with a little more maturity or mature sobriety. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Getting older. The friends that I had that were about, hey, I called you, you didn't call me back, or where have you been? Those slowly, and I, I mean this lovingly, have had to, they've kind of gone away a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because I don't really have the capacity or the wherewithal mm-hmm. to apologize and to take care of people in that way anymore. You know what I mean? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You are, uh, honestly, I am having this moment uh, where I was just talking to another, you know, friend of mine. And we were talking about this exact thing where there's something about maturing, not only in age, but in recovery where you just yes. don't, you don't have to make excuses. You don't have to say, you don't have to, there's just not any room for it. There is no more room for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. know what I've been doing? I've been living my life. That's what I've been doing. What have you been doing? <laughs> living life. I mean, like full, full time, right? That's so good. So when I got to have to just tell a story, you know, they talk, you know, in recovery, they talk about, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, they talk about, you know, it being a selfish program, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they say this is a selfish program. And so we're, we're taught about being of service, Mm -hmm. doing for others, giving generously, showing up in love, right? Being constantly helping. But the truth of the matter is if I can't take, if I'm not taking care of myself first, Yeah. None of those things, none of those things are happening. There is, there is no connection. There is no no connection. That's right. There is no connection. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't shame me for taking care of myself. Thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you. It's the shame. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Lane. Yeah. yeah. The I'll Don't get back to you. The, I'll get back to you uh, when I'm ready to. No. That's right. No, because that's, that's a shame right. on me. Like you're shaming that's me when right. you do that. No, I, I'm not going to take it. Yes. I hear you, sister. Yeah, I love that. So when we met many years ago, we hung out with the same crew. Yep. Uh, we got into recovery. We love recovery. Uh, you are a mother. I am a mother of a grown woman now. My daughter just turned 30. <laughs> I know. Like she turned 30. Yeah. So I raised her in yeah. total in recovery. You know, yes. I got sober when she was um, five. Yes. And raised her. I lived here with her totally sober. I was thinking about this earlier today on my walk lane. I've always really loved and respected and appreciated you. We had that we have a very similar, a mutual person in contact. You used to sponsor a girl. Well, she was a girl then, Linda. I'm not, I don't remember mm. what his name is today, but I always loved the relationship that you guys had together. Yeah. And so I was just thinking about that, like yeah. how you can love somebody through another person. And then oh. I ended up loving you anyways. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yes. That was a really special time for me. That, that was a time. Yeah. And I remember you bringing your daughter around or like being, you know, in gatherings. And I'd be like, oh my God, what is happening here? Yeah. Like, how is this possible? Well, I had to, you yeah. know, I had to bring her around because what else are you going to do as a single mom? You know, I mean, there was so much of the time. I can't tell you how many meetings she's gone to with me, how many outings she's been to with me. <laughs> um, and so to ask her today as a grown woman, I'll say, hey, do you feel like popping into a meeting with me? She's like, nope, I've no. been to all the meetings I need to go to in my life. Thank you so much. Right. But I mean, yeah, she she learned how to go and sit quietly for an hour. Also, you know, yeah, yeah. I remember one time I was secretarying a meeting. It was that Saturday morning, 8 a.m. meeting underneath mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. uh, the Tower Records. Yep. Um, yep. Sunset Plaza. Set Sunset up on Plaza. Sun yep. Yeah. And there was, she sat up at the table with me to help secretary. Uh -huh. And I remember his talk about shaming. You know, there was a guy that pulled me aside and said, it is inappropriate for you to have your daughter sit at the table with you while you're secretarying. It's very yeah. distracting to me. And I really, and you know, I was young then I was younger. Yeah. I wasn't 30 yet. And I, I, I took it on. Yeah. And I apologized mm. and I made adjustments and I thought he was right. <gasps> and can I just tell you that if somebody said that to me today, yeah. I would never allow that. Is mm -hmm. like just talking about getting older, you know, not mm -hmm. only in years, but mm -hmm. in, in the understanding of this is not you. That's about you. That's not about me. That's about you. I'm doing my very best here. Yeah. I, I, I always, I think about that guy and I think about, how I allowed somebody to, to make me change and do something different because I felt so ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah. I, I don't even, I just don't have space for that. No. I, just don't, I just don't. It's just like, I don't believe in that type of recovery. I don't believe in, you know, you have to express your opinion Thank to you. somebody like that. Thank you. Uh, and having your daughter there, you know, 
years later, right? Years yeah. later, I have a son. Right. Who is and 10? Is he's 10? 11 now. He's 11. Right. Okay. So I would bring him into a mutual aid meeting and sit there and he would read for an yeah. hour. Right. And so, and I didn't do that until he was about five years old. Right. But I didn't do that because people shame me. They said, you can't, you can't bring your kid. You can't, it's too distracting. And I was like horrified by this. Yes. So he had to learn how to just sit and read and be in his little space and he knows now that I'm in recovery. Right. It's a safe conversation. Right. There's just, I, yeah, people. People, people, <laughs> people, people, people. I can't believe she's 30. I'm like, whoa. Chloe is 30. Time. She's traveled all over the world mm. two times. She was yeah. gone for almost two and a half years at one point. Uh, wow. You know, she's traveled everywhere. She is an extraordinary human being. I cannot even believe. Yeah the woman who she has grown into be. I mean, does it surprise you though? I mean, honestly, you are a sober mother, like, right. You have hung ah, in there. I know, but man, I've made some real glaring mistakes. Okay. So let's talk about the glaring mistakes because I think those are really important to share with our moms. Right. And in, and it's, we find recovery and then it's, you know, people have this illusion of like, Oh, it's going to be perfect. And my life is going to be great. But let me tell you, no, I mean, really it's rough. It's rough. So let's, let's share one of those moments or a couple of those moments okay. with our mama. Okay. So I, this is just my experience. So this is just one of many. And I, you know, I've done a lot of trauma therapy also. So when I got sober at 27, I had a lot of unhealed trauma still so that I didn't know about, right? Like you don't know that you have it until you've Till you've been, you know, till you till you're in therapy. I got sober and wasn't getting any quote unquote better. In fact, I was getting like worse. I was, you know, my medicine was gone. My 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 solution was gone. And even though I was in AA and I was working the steps and I was sponsoring women and I was being sponsored and I was being in service, I was raising my daughter as best as I could. I personally had a lot of unhealed rage. And that's the kind of stuff, you know, that anger that I really regret. And Chloe, you know, was on the receiving end of that. And that's, I talk about shame and, you know, talk about forgiving myself and really, and there are some days when I really do forgive myself that I understand that I was young and I didn't know any better. And when, you know, when we know better, we do better and all that stuff. But then there's just some days when I just, you know, really regret the things that I've said and, you know, said around her, the the anger that she saw in me, you know, really like kind of like this, this mm-hmm. blanket of rage that, you know, I would spray all over the house. And so I got into real deep therapy when I was around seven years sober, the kind of therapy that, you know, EMDR, NLP, tapping, um, brain spotting. And that it took a long time, you know, mm-hmm. it took years of that kind of therapy to really to really heal that stuff from my childhood, which of course, we don't know about it when it's happening, right? You know, you're 35, you should know better, you've got a you've got a, you know, 13 year old daughter, you shouldn't be acting like this, all that stuff. You know, and I would hear in meetings, if you work the steps, stay sober and show up in service, your life will get better. And that's all you need. And meanwhile, my life was unraveling. The bottom was falling out from underneath me. So those are some of the things that, you know, I wish I could go back and do again. If I were, I always say, if I had been a little older as a mom, I might've done better. I don't know. I was 21 when I had her. I don't want to blame age. I don't want, I don't blame anymore. 
it just is what it is. But those are some of the things. And then another thing that I, that happened for me is that around almost 13 years of sobriety, I uh, relapsed. And that was a big, that was a big turning point. Chloe was 18 years old. Mm. I had raised her. My plan had been, because we were in Los Angeles. We'd moved to Los Angeles from Portland. We lived here for three years. And then I moved back. And, um, you know, I've got, I was able to do things like buy a house, own a business, you know, sell, we'll buy a condo, sell the condo, buy a house, like live way beyond what I could have done in Los Angeles as a single mom, you know, actress, waitress. I can tell you that. My plan was always that as soon as Chloe graduated from high school, I would pack up and come back to Los Angeles on my own. What ended up happening is that I ended up taking pills. And that was the beginning of a five-year relapse for me. And it was really devastating. Um, I lied about it. Mm. I hid it. I told people I was still sober. You know, I haven't Mm -hmm. had a drink in like 28 years. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't sober. Mm -hmm. I was out of my mind. Mm -hmm. So um, Chloe, my then 22, 21, 22-year-old daughter, got this chance, this really unfortunate opportunity to see her mom, mm-hmm. who she'd never seen, you know, not sober, right. behave in this really, um, you know, drug addicts are ugly. <laughs> yep. Yep. 100%. I mean, I'm sorry. Yep. I, talk about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I am just not the same person. And so she, she witnessed that and, but this is now her as an adult. And um, again, just some regrets there that I, that I wish she wouldn't have seen that, you know, again, we can say, yeah, but she was an adult. So she probably understood it better. She's still my child. You know, I mean, I still see her as like three or four years old. I mean, I don't, Mm -hmm. I, you know, even at 30, I still don't, I I mean, I know she's a woman, I, I get it, but for me, I still have pictures around my house where she's like a baby, you know, yeah. like I still have hold her in my mind is so young. Yeah. So those are kind of some of the things. Oh my goodness. Are you just loving the story? Jana is incredible. I want to pop in and just remind you to sign up for the next calm reset. You can do that over at recoverlikeamother.com forward slash reset. All right, let's get back to the show. So as you were talking, I was just thinking about the rage, right? Like this is a lot of thing. This is a, this is, I, I find this so common. You, you said 13, you were raging, correct? Uh, when I was, um, when I was, uh, Chloe was 13. I was about seven years sober. Okay. So, okay. When did you use again? Oh, sorry. 13 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. So I I find that there is a common theme uh, around the 10 to 15 year mark. Like like there's this, it's like a no man's land Mm -hmm. and uh, people pick up again. Wow. It's, it's a common, common conversation that I have. And I, it's so interesting to hear that you picked up pills, right? Like that's, is that your drug of choice? No, I've never, I've never taken a pill. Right. So I find it's so it's, it's like the disease of alcoholism addiction is so tricky, right? It's so conniving. It's going to, it's going to get in there if we're not. And I see, I say, we people in recovery are doing some kind of personal work. Right. So the EMDR, the, you know, you had this rage 
that was coming up. And this is another common thing that happens when that rage is not, I don't even know. It's like, um, cared for, like it's such a sensitive issue and working properly with somebody proper is not the right word, but working in depth, like really having somebody be able to hold you through that rage work. I'm just thinking about the, the steps that you took and then picked up. Yeah. It makes total sense to me. It makes 100% absolute. When I was, uh, Adrian was two or three years old and I woke up to rage and I had never experienced rage before in my recovery. Oh, and Mm -hmm. I thought, oh my God, I, I am, I'm going to kill something. Like I literally thought, (laughs) yeah, I'm like, where is this coming from? Right. Like, and nobody was talking about it. I would go into a a meeting, a room and people would just look at me. Yeah. And again, it it felt shame. I felt like, yes, can I not talk about this? Yes. You know? Yes. And somebody came up to me and said, that's an outside issue. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get drunk about that. I'm going to, I'm going to drink, you know? So I had to, I had to dive in. And, and that's really when my adventure into my meditation practice. Yes. Yes. So when, how did you make that decision to get sober again? I mean, I don't even know if I could do uh, that again. So what was that Jana? Oh, Lane, it was not, it's no joke. I got to yeah. tell you it's yeah. a, and getting sober at 45 is a lot different than getting sober at 27. Let me tell you. And you were out for five it, years, it's just a whole, five years. Yes. Lying. It's a miracle that you're dirty alive. cakes and coins. Oh. It's a miracle. I'm alive. Yes. And I'll, I'll share one little story about the day I relapsed, because this is something I share with a lot of people because it's so, it's so classic alcoholic. And then I'll answer your question. So because I'm a, I'm also a cliche, I'm an alcoholics cliche. I stopped going to meetings. AA started bugging me. My sponsors became a nuisance. My sponsor became very one-dimensional and limited. I was very like, you know, it was all, it was all, it was prime. I was primed for a pill. So it was Thanksgiving day. I was at my mom's. Now, again, I've been sober. I'm not even thinking about using. I'm not even, it's not even in my realm of thought. It's Thanksgiving day. My mom and I are running around. We're cooking, we're cleaning. And I had a headache. I said, Hey mom, do you have any ibuprofen? You know, do you have a Tylenol or ibuprofen? And she's like, yeah, hold on. Let me think. I think so. Her then boyfriend says to me coming out the side of my ear, I have something stronger. And I said, okay, there will come that time when there will be no human power that will relieve us from our alcoholism. Yeah. I put my hand out. He put this big blue pill in my hand. I still don't know what it was. I'm assuming it was some kind of an oxy. I don't know. Oh my God. In my mouth. I drank water. And what happened for me is this, about 12 minutes after I took that pill, like everything from my head all the way down to my shoulders, my chest, my torso, all the way down my body, I could finally breathe. This enormous wave of like solution showed up. And these were the first two thoughts that came to my mind. I'm going to take one pill every Thanksgiving and I'm not going to tell anybody. And I meant it. Lane, I meant it. One pill uh-huh. every Thanksgiving, and I'm uh-huh. not going to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. So that's what set up this, the, the five years. And it certainly did not end where it started. Let me tell you, it became, it, it, 
it spiraled out at around after about two years of relapsing the last three years, just, just, it just, you know, the, the house of cards was just tumbling. Mm. I was actually intervened on. I had an intervention, uh, a very, uh, a woman who I was friends with at the time, who was not an alcoholic. She knew something was wrong. A lot of people knew something was wrong. My behavior That's was it. so out of control. Everybody um, knows except my everybody knows. Everybody knows. Mama, are you taking care of yourself? I'm just dropping in the middle of the show to remind you to take care of yourself. Make sure that you jump over to Recover Like a Mother and sign up for the next Calm Circle. Trust me, you're going to love it. It's free. It's the best time of your life. I hope that you are enjoying this episode. It's wonderful to have you with me as often as possible. All right, make sure to jump over to recoverlikeamother.com forward slash reset. Everybody knew I was out of control and she ended up getting a hold of my phone one day and called my sponsor, found my sponsor in my phone and called her and told her, listen, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if I can be doing this. I don't know if this is the, okay, to, if this is, you know, alcohol, whatever. So she told her and then everybody just kind of started swooping in. And it took me about a year after that to get sober again. That whole next year, I think was probably the worst year because now everybody knew. So now I had to double down on my efforts to hide it. And I couldn't stop. It was this horrific, it was just horrible and so lonely. You know, the disease is so isolating. Mm -hmm. I used only by myself, Mm -hmm. never with anybody. I was pathological. I was paranoid. I was completely alone. So getting sober, I believe getting sober the second time was a true act of providence. It was a real, it was the real gift. Yeah. And then I ended up moving into a halfway house. I was so untrustworthy to myself. I, my word was so not good. I didn't trust myself. I ended up moving into a sober living house. And of course, classic, arrogant, I'll move in there for a month, maybe three, I'll get cleaned up and then I'll move back. Cause you know, I own a business, I own a home. Don't you know who I think I am? I'm very fancy, I'm very important. Right. I ended up living there for a year. Whoa. And it saved my life. Those women who, mm-hmm. you know, didn't really like me at first, they, they you know, um, I hadn't lost everything yet, yet. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, the women who I lived with had all been to jail. They'd lost their kids. They'd lost their teeth. They lost, 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 lost. Mm-hmm. I still had the thing that lo- I could still pull it together externally, yeah. which I feel is a little more dangerous even than when you lose everything. You know, yeah. I was still grasping at what I looked like. But living in that halfway house, I swear to God, it saved my whole life. It saved my whole life. It, it, it saved my life. I'll always cherish that year that I learned how to follow the rules, Mm -hmm. that rules apply to me, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I go to curfew, I do my chores, I, you know, so that was, that was my experience of my, that was seven and a half years ago. Incredible. It's really incredible. I I just, and I, I believe, go ahead. No, you go. No, I'm just saying it's incredible. Go ahead. I believe, go ahead. It's, it's. I believe that this recovery, 
I had never been this grateful before in my other recovery. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it. You don't know what you don't know. I didn't know, right? I didn't know that I wasn't grateful. I didn't know that I didn't appreciate. I knew that I had had the obsession to drink and use lifted. I knew that my life had gotten better. I knew that things, you know, I had a lot to live for. But I wake up, and I mean this, and I'm not exaggerating. This is not an AA bumper sticker. Every day, grateful. Every day, I am no longer a slave. Because mm-hmm. I, I guess I, I am somebody, and I don't wish it on my worst enemy, but I am somebody that needed to, to be reminded that, oh, yes, mm-hmm. I too am still a drug addict. Yeah. You know? There is no question. I have no reservations nor lurking notions. You know how they talk about yep. that in the big yep. book? Like, do you have yep. any reservations? I have no more lurking notions that I could possibly use just a little bit and get away with it. I I, I just don't wonder that anymore. Yeah. yeah. And it took a, a while. It took a while to my for my daughter to trust me again. I can only imagine. Yeah, it was wow. pretty... Um, I mean, of course she does now. I yeah. mean, my whole family relies on me and counts on me. And right. there was this one time when Chloe, we went sailing with her dad, who I've stayed in great contact with. And she's, you know, got a good relationship with her dad. And we were in Portland and we went sailing and she knew I had been using, mm. and I had been telling her that I wasn't yeah. been lying. Yeah. And I remember this look on her face, this yeah. look that I had never seen before. And it, it, I knew I had lost her respect. Do you know what I mean? Like I I knew I had lost it. Yeah. It was the war. And I tried to acknowledge it and apologize to it later. And what she said was in her very healthy way, I don't really want to talk to you about it anymore. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear what you have to say about it anymore. And she meant it like she, that wasn't like, Hey, you know, and, and, and then I got sober shortly after that. And, you know, we have since taught, obviously we've, you know, I've made a lot of amends and I make living amends and verbal amends. And, you know, she's told me where she's been resentful and stuff. So yeah, that's some of my shame. I, I just, we don't know what we don't know. Like that is yes. such a profound statement. And I can say that to someone and they don't understand it. <laughs> right. Because yeah. they don't know. Because um, they don't know. Because they don't know. You don't know that the the disease of alcoholism is just whispering in your ear. Whew. Because I believe that somebody that really suffers from this disease cannot differentiate the true from the false right? There is something so profound about that whisper. That's like, Oh, one pill. Fine. Every Thanksgiving, not a problem. Nobody's going to know. I can totally get, I can, I can totally understand that. I can totally, uh, just appreciate that. I can, I'm so glad that your friend did an intervention. Like oh. that is such God's grace or the universe stepping in Yes, powerful, powerful recovery. And the fact that, you know, that this is your recovery, like you stepped in seven and a half years ago, like yep. it's yep. different. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have been to hell. Yeah. I have actually been, I have revisited hell. And I think after being sober a long time, 
and then going and using again, mm-hmm. it's a different kind of hell. Yeah. Because you know enough to know mm-hmm. that, you know, that's where all the pathology came in for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, I wasn't telling anybody. <sighs> I mean, I, because of my ego. Yeah. I didn't want to raise my course. hand. Of you course. Know, early 30 days, like, oh. you know, all of that stuff. And I finally had to just give it up. I finally, yeah. I, I remember the day yeah. when I just like put both hands up and I was like, all right, I give, I'm I done. give, mm-hmm. I give, mm-hmm. I need help. I really need help. I really am not doing well. I need mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I remember where I was, how I felt. And then, yeah. and then the very next day I found the halfway house. The very next day I, I moved in the very next day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it yeah. just, the first night I moved into the house, well, just to give you a little visual, I moved in to the halfway house in garbage bags, <laughs> moving. I mean, all of my stuff was in garbage bags oh my God. <laughs> and in this truck that, you know, anytime you need somebody to help you move, just go to an AA meeting. Cause there's always a couple of guys that will help you yep, move. Right. Absolutely. One of the guys had an old truck. We looked like the Beverly Hillbillies meets the Clampets with all with this truck. It was snowing and all my stuff in garbage bags. I mean, it was, I was truly a vision for you. It was really pretty gorgeous. I remember un- oh unloading all my stuff. I had this little tiny teeny bedroom because I was the last person that moved into the house. So I had the smallest room, right? Like, like it's kind of like however long you've been there, you get the bigger, better room. I was sitting in my new digs with my garbage bags all around me. And I sat on the bed and I just started crying, you know, like the kind of crying where it's like, I want my mommy crying. Like, I, I, I want my mom. Like, this is like, I'm really scared. And one of the girls, one of the gals that I ended up living with, she poked, she kind of knocked on the door and she poked her head in and she said, how you doing? And I said, um, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> And she said, I promise you, it's going to get better. And I remember that. And I closed the door and I believed her, you know, like it was the first time in years where I felt safe and that I felt like I wasn't going to use that day. I felt like I wasn't going to use that day. And that was the beginning. And then, you know, I had so much self-deception to reconcile. I mean, because, you know, if I'm lying to you, I'm lying to me first. I yeah. That part I couldn't, I did not grasp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was the piece for me, the self-deception. Like I, I also knew that nobody believed anything that I had to say and they shouldn't have because I'd been lying to them for years. I had to just put my head down, go to meetings, pay back my, I had, you know, racked up debt yeah, because I had been out using. Yep. Um, I just ended up, I just decided this recovery is for me. Yeah. It's not for anybody else. And I think that's the difference, you know, even though, like I said, I didn't know my first recovery, you know, I was a young mom, Mm -hmm. I was a young mom and I had to stay sober because I was a mom, Yeah, you know, and this felt different. This just feels like it's for me. It was was all for you. I mean, that's exactly, it was all for you. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like your life depended on it, your life. And it did. I totally hear that in my life. Yeah. I totally, totally hear it. That's right. So over these last, let's just, I mean, this is a long time, right? You've been in re- trying to be sober, living recovery, doing all the things. Have you discovered anything that really keeps you grounded, right? Especially in this last seven mm-hmm. years, is there something that you go back to just 
to keep you away from the rage, away from that kind yeah. of distorted thinking, away from the deception? What is that for you? Well, for me, again, my, uh, my addiction falls under the umbrella of don't tell anybody. That's how my addiction holds itself. Don't tell anybody. So I have a closed mouth friend, um, in addition to my sponsor, but my closed mouth friend, her name is April, who I ended up living with after I moved out of the halfway house. I lived with her for a year. She's been sober 34 years, but we have a saying that we, it's a shorthand and it's called, we, what we'll say to each other is, do you have anything in your pockets? Because a long time ago, I heard we can't stay sober with a lie in our pocket. You can't stay sober with a lie in your pocket. And so the, the shorthand is anything in your pockets. And so we clean out our pockets on a pretty daily basis, telling ourselves. And I don't mean just like things that we do, but things that we think, feelings that we have, thoughts that we didn't act on, you know, actions that we did or did not take. I, have, I can say this with all honesty. There is not one piece of me that I have not exposed myself to her. And that for me is huge. It's also helped me to understand that I'm not a liar. You know, I'm not a liar. And I was a withholder. I, you know, lying by omission is a huge part of my illness, yeah. you know, and I don't do that anymore. Yeah. The other things I do, and I learned this, I do this exercise called the two pen exercise and you've probably heard it, but I'll, I'll say it again. It's, you know, you take two pens and a notebook and um, it actually came from a book called Conversations with God, but I learned it not from that book. I learned it through April. So I take my pen and they can be different colors. They don't have to be. And I ask any and all questions to God, higher power, source, the universe, you know, eternal love, what, whatever you want to call God for you. Sometimes I just say God because it's easier. Um, God, you know, can you please tell me what should I do about this job? God, how should I conduct myself at this audition? God, what about my financial situation? God, should I go out with this guy? God, what do I, it, 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 it <laughs> matters not, okay? Right. It matters not. And I put down the pen and I pick up the other pen. And literally this has happened and it is 100% of the time foolproof for me. Yeah. God answers. Yeah. God answers. I become simply the holder of the pen mm -hmm. and God ends up writing the message. Yeah. Most of the time, I don't know what's going to come out of God's mouth. Most and, and all of the time, God speaks to me in the sweetest, most loving, kindest way possible. The first time I ever heard God speak to me through this two pen exercise, the very first words that came off of the pen were my darling Jana. <laughs> I, love, I love you so much. Now I had never been spoken to that way. Uh -huh. I certainly uh -huh. didn't speak to myself that way, but it was really, and I was about mm. a year sober when this happened. Mm. It, it changed my relationship with God mm -hmm. and that this loving, the sweetest, kindest, and not always gentle, you know, God can be very specific. Yes. God isn't always like, Oh, you know, be flowery. God can sometimes be like, walk away yeah. or kind or rest or, you know what I mean? God isn't always like, Hey, my, you know, why don't you go pick flowers? God can be. And, and my mm -hmm. experience is once I hear what God has to say, I have a choice. I either do it yeah. or I don't.
But if I don't do what God has suggested, what God's information is, I have to then live with the consequences of going against, you know, what I know to be my higher truth, the greater truth, the higher self, you know, truth. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing I do. I do a lot of prayer and meditation. I'm a, yeah. I've been meditating the Vedic meditation for years and years and years. Nice. It's a twice a day, 20 minute a day meditation. I don't always get the second meditation in. I always get my first one in. Yeah. I can honestly tell you that 10% of the time I get my second one in. 90% of the time I don't. <laughs> but it's like, it's the practice of it, right? It's, it's, it's a practice. practice. It's, it's not something, oh my God, I have to do it. I, because that kind of thinking that it's so rigid, yes. right? Yes. So I think there's, there's something about just having a practice and labeling it as such. Yes. So that little meanie voice <laughs> can yes. just go to rest. Uh, I love the two pen exercise. Yes. That is something that I've do done. Do you do morning pages, Lane? So I was religious about morning pages until I had my son. That's what I thought. Yeah. I okay. had my son and the morning pages had come up and down and back and forth and all over the place. And yeah. when I got into my practice, right, I will get so much in my practice now that writing, it's almost, I don't know how to say it. Like it, it gets cloudy in the writing. I get more information through my practice than in the writing practice, which is really profound to me because I thought I'm going to be writing and this, I get everything through the pen and this is fantastic. But now with the type of practice that I do, I get so much more out of that, but I, but I can wow. go back to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's there. Yes. It's, it's there. Oh, that's really good to hear. I'm glad because, you know, I've been morning pagesing it up for about six months straight. <laughs> yeah. And the last week mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't feel like doing it and there it felt cloudy. Exactly. Yeah. what. Yeah. So that's good to, so I can give myself permission to let that be. Okay. okay Absolutely. That's good. So that I was just going to ask you, that was my next question. Is there anything that you need to give yourself permission for or to do? And you just answered it. Yes. Give yourself yes. a break. Yes. Give myself a break. Yeah. Give myself a break. You know, I ride myself hard and yeah. I'm a hustler and I'm a doer. Yep. And um, yeah, th things like my morning meditate, my morning pages, I haven't felt like doing them this week. And you know what? It's All fine. Right. It's totally fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> Throughout your recovery, you've had the opportunity to meet lots and lots of people and you've had opportunities to do wonderful things experiences. Are you going to write a book? You know, I've thought about it many, many times. Um, and then, and then what stops me is this idea of who would want to read it. Oh my Isn't God. Isn't that like that, that I'm just being super honest, yep. like, yep. you know, and I know that they say you don't write the book worrying about who's going to read it. You write the book for you. Yeah. So that's my transparent fear. <laughs> about writing a book, but I could, I, yeah. I actually really would love to, Okay. I really would love to, I, what I really love doing is, um, speaking in front of people. Yeah. I think that I, I have a, that's something that interests me more. Sometimes sitting with my own, with my own words feels a little bit like, um, like, Oh, you know what? If I wrote a book, I'd have to write it with another person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
if I wrote a book, I would absolutely need a, another writer with me to talk to about it. Yeah. That's how I would write a book. Yeah. And that, that would be fun. This has been such yes. a powerful, amazing conversation. I've really enjoyed hanging out with you and hearing where you're at, what you're doing. Is there anything else that you want to share with our mamas? Yeah, just exactly what you said. You know, let's all just be really kind to ourselves, to each other. You know, um, I think as moms, we're just so hard on ourselves. Um, and I, I, for one, will continue to let go of my shame yes. as long as everybody else will commit to do the same. Yes, I love that. Uh, Jana, where are people, how can people follow you? Where can they con- contact you? On my Instagram, it's my name, Jana Lee Hamblin. It's at Jana Lee Hamblin on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Beautiful. And friends, you have to follow. She has these fantastic cow images every day. Like I love them so much. Do you know why I do that? Can I just tell you? Yeah, of course. That it started as like I don't even know how it got started, but I let at least one person see a cow as something other than meat to eat, then I've done my job. Yes. Every day. I love it. I love it so much. That's my thought. Uh, Jana, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thanks so much for asking me. I will see you again very soon. Yes, you will. I adore you. I adore you. My friends, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious that fills you up to be the best you can be. Until next time, take good care. Bye for now. How was that? Great episode, right? So glad that you listened. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I just want to remind you one more time. I have five spots open for the next Calm Circle. I want you to be in it. It is the best time spent. You're going to love it. And of those five, I'm doing a little drawing for my Calm Sankalpa Spray. It's a delicious body spray that you use during meditation. So please head on over to Recover Like a Mother dot com forward slash reset first five one of you is getting a brand new bottle of sun okay i'll see you there